Well, good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for all of you who are watching online right now. I'm so grateful that you're here. Thank you for tuning in. And for everybody on all four of our campuses who are watching today from your campus, you are a part of us and you are in person. I am so, so grateful that you're here. I'm gonna ask you to imagine for just a moment that you are on a voyage. You're on a boat and you're out in the water and the sky is blue and the sun is shining and you can feel the mist of the water and and the wind just on your face and it feels like heaven until it doesn't because suddenly out of nowhere comes a storm and it's vicious, it's ferocious and it's coming and it just keeps coming. And now not only does it rock your boat, it feels like it's going to sink your boat. Now this storm in real life, maybe in your life is sickness, it's an illness, it's come, all of a sudden it's been found, you can hardly believe it, it has changed your life. Maybe it's yours, maybe it's somebody else's, but something has been dramatically altered. Or maybe it is the broken relationship with someone that was so important in your life. Maybe it is the losing of a loved one. Maybe something has happened in your life where it feels like everything has come apart for you. And now what do you do? Where do you go? Where do you turn? And it might be that right now you are feeling lost. I thought I knew the will of God. I thought I knew what God had told me to do. I was doing that and suddenly I don't know anything anymore. I don't have any bearings in my life anymore. Here's what I want to say to you. That God does not abandon you. What God starts, he finishes. And if God has placed a vision in your heart, he's going to fulfill it. Even if it, if it somehow has become cloudy in your life and the, and the whole sense of the direction of your life has sort of gotten all mixed up, God has not abandoned you. What he starts, he finishes, and he will in your life as well. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. We're in a series, a short series entitled Because He Lives. The song we've just sung and the song we just heard on the video. A song that has been around now for 50 years. This is the 50th anniversary of that song. It was written by Bill and Gloria Gaither. Young couple in the ministry and and God was using them and blessing them. But they, they were going through a very hurtful and rocky time in their life. They were living in the 1971 where it was feeling like the whole country was coming unraveled. The Vietnam War and the protests and everything was coming unglued. And the next year would be Watergate. It would be uh, President Nixon and Watergate and all that that happened. And all of that time, it was a sense of good grief. Are we losing our country? And they were feeling it, the Gaithers. And not only that, they were also experiencing in their family and extended family, all kinds of health issues for them and others. And they had a newborn baby that had just been born. And there was trouble everywhere. 
And they were struggling and they cried out to God, God, what, what's going on? God, we need some help and direction in our life. And in their own story, God just brought a sense of calm and peace in their heart. And all of a sudden, this song, Because He Lives, sort of came out of their minds as though it was anointed by God and the tune and all of it. And God replaced the fear with faith. The second verse of the song says, how sweet to hold a newborn baby and feel the pride and joy he gives, but greater still the calm assurance this child can face uncertain days because Christ lives. While they were penning this verse, they were looking into the eyes of their newborn baby. This, this song meant a great deal to them. It was coming out of their life. And I got to tell you, there have been many times over the last years in which I was singing the song. Maybe it was in church or, or it was by myself or I was listening to it on the radio and the song came up and there was that sense of, okay, yeah, times are hard. It is a tough moment in my life. Oh, but God, you live. Because you live, I can face tomorrow. And I I have had those feelings of the, the elimination of fear and the faith that has come. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds my future and life is worth the living just because he lives. We today are at a time in our country, it's, it's crazy, just like 1971, in which it just seems like everything is coming unglued. Everything is coming apart. It'd be like Yogi Berra, the great all-time baseball star who would say, it's deja vu all over again. And that's how we're feeling today. This morning, I want to talk to you about that line that says, and Jesus holds my future. At the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ, he sealed your future forever. He settled your and my future at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We win. I win. You win. And now as we do battle in this life, we do battle not for victory, but from victory. And there is a world of difference between the two. And this morning, I want to talk to you about that very thing. And I want to use a story of a shipwreck to sort of focus our heart in that direction. Here is the Apostle Paul. Seems like we talk about him all the time because most of the New Testament was written by him. Here is the Apostle Paul and, and he, is, he has been arrested and he is in prison because of just communicating, just preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he began to feel that he was in, not getting a fair shake. He, he began to feel that, that he was not being treated properly. And so he, as a Roman citizen, appealed to Caesar. Now, we don't understand that idea today, but in first century, that if a Roman citizen felt like they were not being treated properly in prison. They could appeal to Caesar and they had to be shipped immediately to Caesar for a face-to-face -face conversation and judgment by Caesar himself, the emperor of Rome himself. And so he appeals to Caesar. Well, if a citizen appeals to Caesar, to Caesar he goes. And so they shipped him off to Caesar. 
He was assigned to a Roman commander and a group of transport soldiers, and off they went. Now, in order to get to Rome, they had to go by ship, but it was late in September. And in late September, they had to go across the Mediterranean Sea to get to Rome. And in late September, all the way to March, it was dangerous to travel the Mediterranean. They certainly didn't get into the middle of that sea. Maybe they would try to hug the seacoast all the way because when you are in that period of time in the weather, in the winter, headed toward winter, it can be dangerous very fast. And so Paul said to the commander, I think we ought to wait into the spring before we go to Rome. And he said, no, I got a lot of things to do. We're going right now. And so they got in the ship and off they went. And it wasn't but a few days later here they are in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. You got to get going. And they're, they're, they're headed toward Rome that all of a sudden a storm comes out of nowhere, which is exactly what would happen during the winter, the winter months. And they are out there and the Bible describes the storm as like a hurricane. And the hurricane does not just blow over them and rock the boat. The hurricane grabs that boat and takes the boat with it. And for the next two weeks, they're in the middle of a hurricane. We experienced four days of Hurricane Harvey. And the, the rain's pouring down and constantly for four days. But we were on solid ground. It wasn't dry ground, but it was solid ground. But they're in a boat and the water is just pouring in, pouring in, pouring in. And they were trying to get, keep the water out and trying to, to, to get all the water back out. And it was the, but the boat was sinking. So they were throwing all the cargo. It was loaded with cargo. It was a huge ship. And it was loaded with cargo. And they just throwing the cargo out into the water. And they, were, they threw everything they could throw out into the water. But it still wasn't light, light enough. The water, they couldn't get, keep the water out. And so the boat was sinking and they had given up hope they had given up hope they had come to the end of those two weeks and given up hope and they knew they were going to die didn't know when in the next few hours which hour it would be but they knew the end was coming it is what some of you are feeling right now that are listening to me on all these campuses and online and you have you're giving up hope on your marriage and you say to me I have done everything I know to do I'm trying, I am working on this marriage. I am trying to get this marriage to work. I mean, no matter what I do, it just, the more water is coming in, this boat is sinking, and I don't know how to save it. And for others of you, it's your job, it's your business. I'm trying my best. I'm working as hard as I can work. I cannot seem to save this business. And I don't know what to do. And I'm just giving up hope. And here is Paul and all these other guys, and they were just waiting for the death to come, for the, the ship to finally sink. And in that night, an angel appears to Paul and says to Paul, you are not dying on the Mediterranean Sea. No, you are going to be speaking face to face with Caesar Nero, and you will be telling him the gospel. You are not going to sink. The ship is not going to sink. Well, the next morning, he could hardly wait. And when everybody got up, he then says, what you saw, see recorded in Acts chapter 27, beginning in verse 21, after the men had gone a long time without food, 
Paul stood up before them and said, men, you should, not, you should have taken my advice not to sell from Crete. He couldn't resist it. He has to say, I told you so. He's standing up in front of everybody. I, got, I'm, I told you so. But then he says, then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss, but now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you, not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God whose I am and whom I serve stood beside me. Now stop for just a moment. Is this your relationship with God? Do you have a relationship with God that you can say, this is God whose I am? I'm not my own anymore. I have so given my heart to him. God I belong to you, whose I am, who who I serve. And I'm gonna tell you something. Maybe you have not grown in your relationship to that level that you love him that much, that you understand him that much, that you know him that much, but you can. This is the goal of Christianity in our lives, to come into a relationship with God where it is not arm's length, he is God way out there. I belong to you to come to that level of relationship. Oh, make it your goal. Whose I am and whom I serve. And he stood beside me and he said, do not be afraid, Paul. Now stop again for a second. The rain's just coming down. It's still coming down. Haven't you been so frustrated when you you go to hear a sermon and the preacher says, you don't be afraid. Who are you to tell me not to be afraid? Do you not know all the stuff I'm going through? Do you not know when I leave this building right now and I go home or when this this, uh, broadcast is over, what I am facing in my life, don't tell me, don't be afraid. And Paul could have said the very same thing. Don't tell me to not be afraid. Do you see where I am? So why is it that this angel could say to Paul, you don't have to be afraid, why? Because this angel now gives him advanced information about his life. And notice what he tells him. You must stand before Caesar. Now, if you stand before Caesar, you obviously have not died in the Mediterranean Sea. You cannot get to Rome and stand before Caesar and be dead in the bottom of the ocean at the same time. You will, you will. Stand before Caesar and you will give a witness of Jesus Christ. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage. Now this is Paul talking to the men again. You keep up your courage for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. God has a plan for your life. He has a plan for your life and he will accomplish it. And nothing you go through will change it. He has a plan for your life, and you will experience it. A couple of weeks ago, I came to hear something. It was just a tidbit. I had never heard it before. But it was surprising to me. You know these shows we watch on TV, a movie that you watch on television? Do you know that the writers who write the scripts for these shows and these, these movies and, and plays and stuff. Do you know that the first scene that they write is the last scene? 
They don't write anything until they first write the last scene. The first scene that they write is the last scene. I didn't know that. They write the scene, all the dialogue of the scene, how it all happens, and then, you know, the end. They write the first scene first. Then they backtrack. They backfill the scenes and they start writing all the other scenes and they do all the twists and turns, you know, and dead ends, especially if it's a whodunit. We're going to have a lot of dead dead ends there because you think you now got it figured out who, who killed the person, but no, you didn't because you we had this dead end and you are going to be surprised. And then all the zigs and zags and everything else. And then they finally get to the beginning. What? And they write the beginning. This is why I've never been a good writer. I always start at the beginning and I don't know what to do then. This is how they do it. And this story sounds like that. Hey, let me tell you, Paul, what's gonna happen. You, at the end of this chapter, here's the scene. You are in front of Caesar and you're preaching the gospel. So guess what? You're not about to die. And Paul says to these men, I believe him. I believe what my God has told me. Faith is the trusting obedience to the revealed will of God. Faith is not a feeling. You can have feelings, but faith is not a feeling. Faith is not a feeling. Faith is obedience. And you don't even have to feel it. There's sometimes the way you are feeling is exactly opposite. But you don't go with your feelings, you go with what God has told you to do. And did you know you have demonstrated faith? And in the middle of it, sometimes you think, well, if I was really a man of faith, if I was a woman of faith, I would be feeling this all along the way. No, if you are a man or woman of faith, you're obeying nevertheless how you're feeling. You're doing the right thing and the act of doing that right thing is the demonstration of faith, not what you're feeling. Faith is not presumption. It is not walking on thin ice. It's not going out on a limb. It's not doing something crazy. It is not wishful thinking, not even positive thinking. Faith is the trusting obedience to the will of God. You know how you're living by faith? You are doing the right thing. Every time you make the right decision, you're doing the right thing. You're doing what you know good and well. The Bible teaches you to do, how you're to act, how you're to live. You're living by faith. Oh, but I'm not doing some crazy thing and all that. No, you just keep going in obedience to what God tells you to do. And that is a life of faith. And God has called you and I to live in faith. I was on vacation and... uh, one night, I was bored. And I was, I, I, when I realized I am bored, I really got excited. Honestly, I couldn't remember the last time I had been bored. There have been times in which I could be bored. I was just wondering, I wish I could be bored. But I can't because they're just, my life is so full, it's unbelievable, and all day long, and, and even in the middle of the night, I'm trying to solve problems, and it's this problem and that problem trying to solve, and it's, that's my life, trying to meet deadlines and solve problems and issues, and most of the time, it's the church, but other times, it's, it's like you, it's, our, it's family and what new problems we're facing and all that kind of stuff, and in the middle of the night, I will dream about problems. And the whole night I'm trying to solve the problem. And amazingly, sometimes I wake up and there's the answer. And you're doing exactly the same thing. But on that night, there were no problems 
No problems to solve. There was nothing to fix. There was nothing to prepare for. And I was stone bored and I loved it. So you know what I did that night? Bored? I watched the Cotton Bowl game of OU Sooners versus Florida Gators. Yes, it was the, uh, the, the Cotton Bowl uh, of last January of New Year's Day or New Year's Eve or whenever it was. The Cotton Bowl, and I had recorded it because OU is playing, and I recorded it. And if OU would have lost, I would have deleted it. I'm not dumb. I'm not going to go back and watch that. But they won, and so I've kept it, and here I am bored in July, and I remember the game, and I said, I'm going to go watch that. And I watched the entire Cotton Bowl all over again. And I loved it. And you know what? When the, the, the running back fumbled the ball and Florida picked up the ball and scored a touchdown, I didn't care. I am totally nonplussed about this turnover. And when the quarterback threw an interception and then they got more points, <laughs> I laughed in the face of danger. Because I know I knew that OU wins that game 55 to 20. And I don't really care about that play one bit. Now I'm gonna tell you, when I'm watching football, I am a bundle of nerves, if it's the Sooners. I am, uh, oh man, I'm just watching this thing. And would you do this right, please? And I, but I, and I was watching that Cotton Bowl. I wasn't nervous a bit. Why? Because I already knew the ending. And I'm here to tell you, in the end, you win. In the end, I win. <laughs> and the enemy comes against me and he does this and that and zig and zag. Oh, I don't care. He, in the end, I win. And I do battle not for victory, but from victory because I already know what's coming. Something else I noticed in the passage, it just popped out for me and I was, I was really kind of tickled about it. It was this, Paul was a prisoner on that ship. He's the guy in chains. He's the guy that's got handcuffs on. And you would have thought, everybody would have thought, Paul is sailing with us the Roman commander, you are the prisoner and you are sailing with me. But when God describes it to Paul, the angel describes it with Paul, notice how he describes it. And the lives of all who sail with you will be saved. It just jumped out. Paul was the leader of the ship and everyone was sailing with him. And I'm going to tell you, had Paul not been on that ship, maybe all the lives of those men on that ship would have been lost. So what's the deal? You may have some people who do not like you. You may have some people who think they have the upper hand in your life, maybe at work or wherever you are. Don't you worry. You are not sailing with them. They are sailing with you. They may not know it. They may not know it, but that is how God sees it. Nothing can snatch you out of God's hands. People do not determine your destiny. They cannot stop God's plan for your life. God is in charge of your life and reality. They are sailing with you. 
And God is going to get you to where you are supposed to be. So don't you worry about those people who think you are sailing with them. They don't understand the truth. I love that. I love that. God is saying to us, I am a faithful God to you in the midst of a storm. I will make a way if you will walk with me. I'll get you to the other side. Emily Clark and her husband took on a vacation to Australia. I can't imagine that. That'd be pretty fun, wouldn't it? To go to Australia and, and they were just going around and, and the sightseeing everything. And they, were, they rented a car and they were in the car and going from one town to the other. And while they were on their way to the other town, the, it started raining like Texas. I mean, it was a deluge. It was a Texas kind of rain and it was just coming down and coming so heavy, so heavy. We've seen those. Man, what, where is this water coming? It's just coming down so hard. And it was coming down so hard that it wasn't just water on the road. It was covering the road. And it was getting scary now. It was getting scary now. And we don't know what is going on, but we can't stop. No, you can't. There was no stopping on the side of this road. You got to keep going on this road. And there was a semi-truck on the right side and they were going to pass that semi-truck. But the driver of the semi-truck put his hand out and motioned for them. And they understood the motion. Get behind me. Do not pass me, get behind me. And they slowed down, got right in behind him. And he began to blaze the trail for them. That semi-truck became sort of like a bulldozer and was pushing the water off the road long enough so that as they were close behind, it was making their way. They could, they could keep going because of the truck. It was pushing water away. And there were times in which the driver would use his signals and they figured out left uh, and right, move over a little bit to the left because I see what's about to come. Move a little bit over to the right. And they were following him, man. And he took them all the way out of that storm to a restaurant. He pulled in to the, to the parking lot of that restaurant and he parked his truck. They pulled in behind him, parked their car. He got out of his truck. They got out of their car and they ran and hugged him. You saved our lives. And he said to them, look, I could see what you couldn't see. I saw what was happening in the road and I could see what you couldn't see. And I thought to myself, if my family were out on this road and there was a truck driver in front of them, I would want that truck driver to rescue my family. And if I want that, I need to do that for you. And that's all I was thinking. I just felt like I had to rescue you. God can see in your life what you and I cannot see. And this is why we have to trust him. I don't understand that. I don't understand the direction that he's leading me to. But he can see what you cannot see. And when God is leading you, he will lead you. How will he lead me? How will I know? You'll know. That's all I know to say to you. You'll know. And when God is leading you, you're yielding your heart. Oh, God, I want to follow you. I want to lead you to lead me. He will lead you. But while he's leading you, it doesn't mean that the circumstances of the storm will magically disappear. No, it still goes on. Don't you know that after the angel left, the rain was still coming down? Hey, you're going to be rescued. Don't worry about it. The rain's still coming down. 
didn't magically disappear. And you've got to know this. Even in the midst of God leading you, it doesn't mean that everything just clears up immediately. No, it doesn't. But he is holding your future. So here is the question that came to my mind. What do we do when we are in a shipwreck? Oh, I can't be in a shipwreck because I'm a Christian. Oh, no. Paul was in three shipwrecks. No, you and I can experience shipwrecks. Oh no, I can't experience a shipwreck because God is leading my life. Oh no, he might lead you right into a shipwreck and through the shipwreck. You gotta get out of this idea. Everything's gonna be rosy now that I'm a Christian. No, the truth is he will lead you in times that are stressful and difficult so that you will learn how to trust him. Yes, you might be in the middle of a shipwreck. So when you're in the middle of shipwreck, what do you do? How do you deal with this? How do you face it? Well, this is what he's going to show us. Now, by the way, the next day, he is, Paul tells everybody, here's what's happening. And all of a sudden, a few hours later, there is an island. They see an island. And they're headed toward the island. But they know they cannot go close to the island because if they get close to the island, there's rocks in, under the water. They could, it could break up the ship. And now they are sort of stuck, but yay, I can see safety. I can see my rescue. And so they stop right then and there. And notice what happens in verse 29. Fearing that we could be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. Now, as an aside, I love this part. Here is a ship full, 200 and some odd guys, all these people on the ship, this huge ship, and they hadn't even heard about Jehovah God before, just a few hours before, but now all of them pray all night long to this God. This is what Paul is getting them to do. They are even praying to God. So what happens? They lower four anchors and it dawned on me, God has given us four anchors. He's given us anchors to help us as we go through the shipwreck. You gotta write these down because Paul lives this out over the next few hours. Notice, anchor number one, live out the presence of God in your life. Since Christ is risen, he's with you. He's with you. That was his promise. He will not desert you. So what happens to Paul? We'll help him. He'll help us. What happened to Paul? Acts 27, verse 23, last night, an angel of the Lord of the God whose I am and whom I, I serve stood beside me. And I have to tell you, there are times in which I wish there was an angel. Just send an angel. I'd love, it'd scare me to death if it happened, but send an angel. But we, it could happen. There's, there's angels. It could happen. But most of the time, God gives us even better than an angel. Jesus is with us. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 28, verse 20? And surely I'm with you always, always, even to the end of the age. Do you remember what Paul wrote here in Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and 39? I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or on the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. But you don't understand 
Mark, you don't understand. I've blown it. I've sinned again. I just keep going back to that sin. I'm doing stupid things in my life. I, 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 God, God, I can't even pray to God. God wouldn't even have to, he wouldn't even care anymore after the mess I've made. No, Jesus said, I'll be with you always. And Paul is saying nothing can separate you from the love of God. And here's what I'm saying to you. One of the anchors that will be the anchor to your soul is when you come to practice the presence of Jesus in your life. Practice the presence of Jesus in your life. What does it mean? He is sitting right beside you right now. He is walking up and down the aisle of your, of your campus auditorium right now, in your house right now, on the sofa. There he is. He's right there. He is sitting right beside you right now. When you leave and you go get in your car and you're on the way going home, Jesus is in the car. He's in the car. When you go to work, he is right there by your desk. When you go to school in a, a week or so, yay God for some people and oh my for others, he will be right there in your class with you. And when you practice the presence of Jesus, what I mean is you recognize everywhere I am, whatever I'm doing, wherever I go, whatever is happening, Jesus is right here. I practice his presence in my life. Something happens. It will be an anchor for your soul. Second of all, live out the purpose of God for your life. Acts 27, 24, don't be afraid, Paul. You must stand before stand trial before Caesar and God is graciously giving you the lives of those who sail with you. God is sovereign over hurricanes. He's sovereign over Roman Caesars, over Roman soldiers. He is sovereign over broken marriages and over lost jobs and over COVID-19. God is in control. Yield to him. Yield to him. God says, I am in control and you don't have to be afraid. God has a plan for your life. And nothing, nothing, nothing's going to stop it. Oh, but this happened. Oh, but God isn't taken by surprise by anything. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Begin to speak these words in your heart. God, you have a plan and a purpose for my life, and you will fulfill that plan and purpose. And I do not have to be afraid. It will be an anchor to your soul. Anchor, the anchor number three is this. Live out the promises of your situation right now. This is what Paul is doing, verse 25. So keep up your courage, he is saying out loud to the men on the boat. Keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. God had given a promise. You don't have to worry. You're not sinking in this ship. You are going to Caesar and Paul verbalized that promise of God. There is a giant you have been called to defeat in your life. There is a giant God has called you out to defeat. The enemy wants to convince you to, to get discouraged and give up. The enemy would, would not be sending the winds and the rain and the trouble and the sickness if he did not know that you are on the verge of the success and the blessing of God in this mission he's given to you. He is trying to get you off target. And he is coming against your life because he knows the blessing of God is there. You're on the verge. 
And what you need to do in this moment in your life is keep speaking the truth. Hear yourself say God's promises. There is life in the word of God. Let it renew your heart. What I mean is take that promise from God that he has given to you and keep speaking it verbally, not just in your mind, but verbally. Something happens. I don't understand it, but something happens when you speak God's promise out loud. What promise? Well, sometimes he gives us a promise. Some promise pops right up out of the scripture and says, I am yours. And you grab hold of that promise and you just keep speaking out loud that promise of God. But maybe he doesn't give you just one promise. Okay, you got 7,000 promises in the Bible. Go get some documents offline and print it or go buy some book of the promises of God and speak out loud the promises of God. Hear yourself say it because every time you do, it gives you courage. It does something inside. It gives you strength. It, it strengthens your faith and your resolve. It is an anchor. It is an anchor for your soul. First, Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they're yes for you. Every promise of God is yes for you who are in Christ. They're yes for you. So you speak out those promises and don't just do them in your mind. Don't just read them. Say them out loud. Something happens. I don't understand it, but something happens inside. And here's the last thing. Live out the power of God in your life. So what's happened? All these guys are praying to the God of the universe because Paul has said, this God is gonna rescue us. And they're praying all night long. In the morning, there is the sun. And when the sun comes out, they can see their situation. And now, what happens? It's, God's, it's like God picks up this boat and crashes the boat against the rocks. And the boat breaks up into a thousand pieces and, and planks are everywhere and these men dive off of the boat and they get on one of these planks and now it's like a surfboard and they are rowing themselves to shore and every one of those men are rescued. The boat is destroyed but God uses the destruction of the boat to rescue them. So here's what I want to say to you. Sometimes God takes something from us. And I love that. I wanted that. But sometimes God takes something from us in order to rescue us. Even if it doesn't make sense. Well, you got four anchors. Practice the presence of Jesus. Practice the, the saying, the purpose of God. Even if you don't know all the purpose, God, you have a purpose and a plan for, for my life and you will accomplish it and I trust you. I put my faith in you. Claim a promise that God gives you or just claim all the promises and say them out loud and trust in the power of God to get you to safety, get you to rescue. And let these four things be the anchor of your soul. And they will rescue. So where you are, where are you today? 
Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Have you given your heart to Christ? For those of you who are watching online, have you accepted Jesus as your Savior? If you can, if you haven't, you can right now. In just a few moments, I'm going to pray, and at the end of the prayer, you'll see a, a website you can go to and talk to a real live person, a minister, about how you can know Jesus as your Savior. I want this God in my life. Talk to one of our ministers in just a few minutes. And from every campus, there is a next step center. There's this virtual, you're watching online. But all of those who are in person today, you have a, a living on a next step center at your campus. Go to the next step center. Talk to one of our ministers. I need Jesus. I want to know how I can know Christ as my Savior. I want to join this church. I, I, I want to recommit my heart to Christ. I just need somebody to pray for me. Go to the next step center. And let this be the day of amazing change that begins to happen in your life. It'll still be raining, but now you'll have the anchors and God will deliver you. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today. We thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for the truth of your word. We needed this today. And we ask, Father, that you would help us. Now we see, now we understand the whole process of this whole shipwreck and how you'll help us the anchors to our soul and now father we pray I pray that you would speak into the hearts of many today that do not know Christ that this would be the day of salvation in their heart move in hearts today bring us closer to you we pray in Jesus name amen